In our first reading this weekend, I was very struck by the reverence with which the people listened to the word of God. We think about that word reverence, uh, it means to respect something. It means to have awe of something. And so there's lots of places, I think, where we have reverence in our lives. Some are important, some not as important. So some examples might be, you know, if you're a car guy and you see that car that you just really love, maybe it's really rare or something like that, you kind of stand in awe of that car for a little while, don't you? You respect it, you you look at it, and you just kind of take it in. There's reverence there. Maybe if we ever saw like a famous person that we uh, liked or respected, and we would have that kind of starstruck moment if we were in their presence. St. John Paul II comes to mind. Obviously, he's not alive anymore, but I've heard, you know, that when people were in his presence, his holiness commanded a sort of reverence from people. They respected him. They were in awe of his holiness if they were in his presence. Another example is the national anthem. All of us know that when the national anthem plays, you stand up and you take your hat off, right? Out of respect for the country, for that song, and for those who have sacrificed for our country. There's lots of different places where we have reverence in our lives. But brothers and sisters, I think eventually we have to ask ourselves, do we have reverence, real reverence, for the word of God? And so let's take a look at that first reading again from Nehemiah. So Ezra is the one who is reading the word of God to the people. And first of all, it says he read the word of God from daybreak until midday. So what what is that, six hours? Does anybody want to try that? Six hours of hearing the word of God and receiving it. And then they, they stand up, they raise their hands, they say, amen, amen. And then they fall on their faces out of reverence for the word of God. They prostrate themselves. The most humble position you could put yourself in before another is to put your face on the floor, bowing to them. And that's what they do for the word of God. It's not as if God appeared to them or they had a vision or something like that. Simply just reading the word of God and hearing it, they bowed their faces to the ground out of reverence for it. And this is because, brothers and sisters, we recognize that when we receive the word of God, we're not just hearing about God. We're not just learning about God. No, when we receive the word of God, we are receiving God himself. We are experiencing God himself through his word. We remember in the beginning of the gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus Christ is the word that God speaks to us. And so when we receive that inspired word of scripture, the Holy Spirit breathing into the authors of scripture, we have an inerrant account account of who God is. We are truly experiencing him when we hear the scriptures or when we read the scriptures. And let's think about that for a second. This should be mind-blowing. Right? The all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God condescends to inspire human authors to write about him in his inspired words so that we can truly know him and encounter him in these words. Again, that's mind-blowing that God would do that, to give himself to us in this way through his word. 
And then we, we remember sometimes probably our behavior. You know, you probably have a Bible or, you know, a few Bibles in your house. And when you see that Bible, you kind of think, okay, that's nice. The Bible's there. But we should have reverence for the Bible, right? Because we recognize, again, that's the presence of God to us in our homes. We know that God is present to us in the Eucharist. But we should have a similar reverence when we're listening to the word of God, standing in awe of being in his presence when we read or hear the word. Because it's when we receive that word again that we are encountering God himself, that he lives within us, that we know about him and who he is. And it's only when we receive that word, receive the message of Jesus Christ in the gospel, that we can go out and deliver it to others. Because that is our call, brothers and sisters. As disciples of Jesus Christ, our faith is not merely private. I mean, I know that that's what people like to say sometimes, especially in our our modern culture, like, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe these things, but who am I to tell you what to believe, right? You can believe whatever you want, I'm going to believe whatever I want, we're all okay. That's not what we're called to, brothers and sisters. We are called to spread the truth, spread the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel to the ends of the earth, as Jesus Christ says. But it takes receiving it first. We have to steep ourselves in the word of God each day, reading the scriptures, and especially hearing the scriptures at mass. Because when we receive it, we can then go out and be the courageous preachers of the gospel that Jesus Christ calls us to be. We have to be the ones to stand up for what's true and for what's good in the world and stand up against the evil influences that we see. And so for that reason, brothers and sisters, I have to call out something very bad that happened in our country this week. I don't know if you saw this, but in New York, they passed legislation, new legislation on abortion. It's evil legislation. Here's some of the things that this new legislation provides for. It says that abortion is a fundamental right enshrined in the New York Constitution. Any person who's pregnant has a fundamental right to have an abortion. It now allows for third trimester abortions, including all the way up to the moment of birth. And the law also states that an unborn child cannot be a victim of homicide if he dies while in the womb following an attack on the mother. Brothers and sisters, this legislation literally says that children in the womb are not humans, are not people. This is evil. This is pure, undisguised evil. And we are the ones that have to stand up for what's true and for what's good. And remember that humans are valuable not because of what they can do, but because of whose image and likeness they are created in. We are all valuable because we are images of God from the moment we are conceived. And we are the ones, brothers and sisters, that have to stand up and protect the innocent, to have reverence for human life, to stand in awe of the life that God gives to us. We have to be the ones to protect the innocent because obviously our legislators are not doing this. 
And you might say, well, Father, that's terrible for New York, but at least it's not that way in Illinois. Well, think again. Our own governor, J.B. Pritzker, has said, Illinois will be the most progressive state in the nation when it comes to guaranteeing women's reproductive rights. He said that this past week. We have to keep praying. We have to keep standing up for what's right. We have to keep voting pro-life to get pro-abortion candidates out of office because this is not okay. And now every time I talk about abortion, I always like to say that if you've had an abortion, if you've participated in an abortion, if you've encouraged or facilitated an abortion, there is forgiveness. There is mercy. There is hope going forward. The mercy of Jesus Christ is infinite and overcomes all sins if we are willing to receive it. Do not be afraid to receive the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ in the confessional. And let us not be afraid also, brothers and sisters, to continue to receive the word of God in the scriptures, in the Eucharist, and to be strengthened by it so that we can courageously go out to stand up for what's right, for what's true, for what's good, and truly be the lights to the world that Jesus Christ calls us to be.